Well, good morning, church family. I am so excited to be here today. Amen. I was going to crack a couple jokes because I thought to myself, well, Skip played a video and took care of the Christmas message, and then Mark came up here and told you all about the name of Jesus and what it meant and all that, and I was like, well, they, they got me both points. My sermon's done. Um, yeah, mic drop. So we're in the series right now that Mark's been leading us in called Radical Grace. And, you know, if you had told me a year ago that the grace of God would be on me and I'd be up here talking to you on our Christmas Sunday, I would have laughed. I'd have said, okay, maybe doing the announcements, uh, giving the message I didn't think so. And um, I have experienced God's radical grace in my life an innumerable, an innumerable amount of times. So many, I definitely can't keep count of them. And when Mark put up the Radical Grace series, he threw a title in there one day, and it said, the Christmas Sunday, it said, The Gift of Grace. And I said to myself, wow, I don't even have to think of a name for that message that Sunday. I'm just going to go with the flow. We're going to be in Radical Grace, and I'm going to go with the Gift of Grace series. So Christmas, the Gift of Grace, the name Jesus, as Mark said, Yeshua, Joshua, it means Yahweh is salvation. The Lord is salvation. And the reason that the name is Jesus in the New Testament and not Jesus in the Old Testament is because about 200 years before Jesus' birth, uh, there was a, uh, a decree set out by the uh, governing authorities at the time that all historical books had to be translated from their original text into Greek. And so the Old Testament and everything was translated over and everything translated into new terms. So I thought about this message over and over and I prayed and I didn't know what to do. And I just put up, I, I was just thankful for God's radical gift of grace that I was able to make it through the last few months of school. I've been doing school online at night and a couple classes, well five classes total and just a couple days ago, I turned in my last report for the fall semester, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have to think about the fall classes, and I pick it back up in January, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. And so, you know, experiencing God's grace and mercy during that time has been an uh, adventure for me. So, you know, uh, I don't know what happened to my notes here. It looks like something disappeared. I'm going to go back out and pull it up. Isn't that strange? Yeah, there they go. They like blurred in. So grace is defined, grace in, grace in what we believe, grace in our faith is defined as the free and unmerited, means you didn't do anything to get it, the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners. Two hands up. Where's all my sinners? <laughs> and the bestowal of blessings. If you see me pull this napkin out of my pocket and do a little touch-up here, I did uh, have a surgery this week. Best surgery you could ever have. No pain before, no pain after, but you will leak for about a week. Um, so don't mind me if I clear my nose while I'm up here. If I start sniffing and snorting, just start to go, you know, gross. Um, 
It won't be like my other original stories. You got to get, I got to get everybody riled up here. I'm excited. It's Christmas Sunday. Um, so listen, when I was younger, I heard, uh, I heard a good friend of ours who taught uh, a couple of the Sunday school classes, and he taught the young adult class, and he said, my best way to describe grace and mercy to you guys is as follows. And I wrote it here. Mercy is when I don't receive the punishment I deserve for doing something I've been instructed not to do. Grace is when my dad shows his love for me when he flags down the ice cream man and buys me an an ice cream after showing me that mercy. And I was like, wow. And then I go back to that, the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. You know? And, 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 you know, we're going to, we're going to cast out that spirit of poverty and, and, and speak in that spirit of blessing. Amen? Because God is ready to bless the rivers. We show up here every Sunday, week in and week out. We do something in our daily lives every day. And that's we are centered around a focus that there is a promise for life after death. Amen? There is a promise to me for life after death. There is a very heavy book. We call it the Bible. If you don't have one, I highly encourage you to buy one. From beginning to end, it points to one person. His name is Jesus. And that's what we come here every week. Because the gift of Jesus is salvation for the sinners. And this is the Sunday out of the year that we get to talk about that message in a more defined way, because I don't want to talk about his death and resurrection today, because that can kind of stir the emotions, you know, yeah. every time I watch uh, the, uh, the Passion of the Christ, I weep. I didn't bring you here to weep this Sunday. I want you to smile and rejoice. So, you know, talking about this series of Radical Grace, I'm going to point out a story in the Bible And I'm going to go over a little time here. You know I like to do my history and my timelines, but I'm not going to draw a timeline for you. Abraham was on the earth 2,000 years before Jesus, give or take. 2,000 years before Jesus. And the Bible, every character from the Bible, there's something that that story is in there because God wants to create a sense of empathy for you to understand who this character is and apply it into our own lives. Amen? Amen. So when I look at the story of Abraham, 2,000 years before Christ came, God had a man who was given a promised son, and then right after he received that promised son, he put that man to the test to see if he would be willing to sacrifice his promised son. And Abraham was willing to complete that act, and I believe there's a correlation there that is Okay, since you were willing to give your promised son, I'm going to now give my promised son. So 2,000 years passes, and we lead into the Christmas story. And Jesus is born. And uh, I'm going to read it. It looked like we were playing it on the board, but I'm going to read it here. Mike, if you could get that up there. Luke 1, 26 through uh, through 38. Lots of reading here. 
Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, but therefore, you know, there's always a shift here. And this is my favorite, this is my favorite representation of how we are as human beings when we're encountered this act. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her the same thing that we're always told in almost every encounter with an angel or the Spirit of God. Do not be afraid. So Mary is afraid in this moment. This is a very odd moment here. I'm pregnant, and this person is going to tell me I'm going to have, you know, this baby. I've not been with anybody. And there's an angelic being standing in my house. So listen to the story. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Yahweh is salvation, Jesus. That's what she heard. You will call your son's name the Lord is salvation. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, another therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. If I was Mary in this moment, I'd be freaking out. I'd be going, hold on, go back to the part where you told me not to be afraid because now you're starting to scare me, okay? Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age and this is now the sixth month for her who, is, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to to your word, and the angel departed from her. I decided to read from the story of Luke because it's the more traditional Christmas story, but there's also a Christmas story in Matthew, and uh, I did stick with Luke. You know, I, um, I attended this church for a while where we did a live nativity, and I was bald and tall, and they always had me play one of the wise men that would ride in on a camel, and our church would rent real camels that were used in Hollywood production studios because we were in L.A. County. And some of the camels that came out were, one of them was 50 years old. And they had to be trained for about 10 or 15 years before you could actually ride these camels. And uh, we had a gentleman flip off a camel once, land on his feet. And, uh, but you know, the story is that it shows that these, these wise men show up in the nativity scene that we did, and they would arrive at the same time and give these gifts. And traditionally, that's what we think. But if you really read the scripture from Matthew, it says that they showed up to a house and they saw a child. So it's not the same time as when in the story of Luke, which is, would be the 
on time timeline here. This is when Jesus was born, when the, uh, when the shepherds showed up. This is Jesus as a baby. So we're going to read from Luke 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. We know about people that take censuses. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and lineage of David. There's some prophecy there. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. You watched this in the video a minute ago. Just reminding you. And behold... An angel of the, of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid, as always. And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was then the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I'm going to stop us right there. We read these stories and we always picture Jesus in the manger. You picture Mary and Joseph. You picture these shepherds. Let's picture this a little differently. How about you're a shepherd out in the field and all of a sudden you're, 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 you're here in Marysville and you're tending to do some work outside on your land and you've got a two-acre property. And all of a sudden an angelic being is standing in your presence and he tells you these things. He tells you that this promised Savior that you were waiting for has been born. Everybody of the faith back then was waiting for this Savior. They were waiting for this promise. And then as you're looking there and you're looking at this angelic being telling you this, all of a sudden a host of angelic multitude is there and they're singing and praising. What kind of life-changing experience would that be for you? Do you ever stop and think about those things? Because I, I, I've read this Christmas story, I don't know how many times, an innumerable amount of times. But sometimes I have to stop and I look at these higher, greater, more amazing things. And I think sometimes I just go, go right past it, like, okay, that was great. And then I identify with other parts of the story. But I want to identify with this most amazing part of the story. These guys are sitting there, and this angelic being is in their presence, right? This would freak me out. This is the do not be afraid. Because we all act like, I can't wait to be in heaven's presence with Jesus. Like, that is going to be an intensely scary moment. Okay? You're going to be sitting there, and he's going to tell you when you get there, he's going to be like, don't be afraid. I love you. Glad you're here. Welcome. 
<laughs> good job, <laughs> good job, faithful servant, you know. But he's going to tell you to not be afraid because you're going to be terrified, right? That, that's what I try to get out of this story with these guys. So, uh, and they came with haste. I like it. So they rushed to the scene. What's going on here? And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen them, they made widely known the same which was told them concerning this child. So there they are, shouting and probably out of excitement. you got a, a newborn child who's probably uh, nursing, crying, whatever. And these guys are sitting there telling this exciting story about these angels that just were in the fields and telling them this thing. They were singing these things. you got to see this excitement that's going on in this story right here, right? So it says, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, and it was told them, as it was told them. And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Yahweh is salvation. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So, <laughs> we can best understand our need for radical grace when we look at, there was a written law established close to 4,000 years ago for us. A law that today you can't keep. You can't. That's why we're in a series entitled Radical Grace. And that's why Jesus is the ultimate gift of grace. I'm not telling you elementary school Christianity here, but it might be for some of you. This is what my faith resides on. This is the foundation of my faith. Each Sunday when I wake up and I decide and I make a conscious decision to get up at the same time and look forward to coming here and singing praises, I do it because deep inside of my heart, I live on a promise and a foundation of what we're here to teach today. The gift of grace. Jesus, the gift of grace. The gift of salvation. So, you go back 4,000 years to when this law was written, and nobody could keep these laws. And they tried their best, and they, they went to the temple, and they did their offerings. Well, before the temple, they went to the tabernacle, and then later to the temple, and and we all know the story, and eventually the temple was destroyed, and things changed, and, you know, the law has shown and taught me constantly that I am definitely unable to keep those laws. And as I've taught you guys many times here before, you'll hear me say it, I say it all the time, it's like my catchphrase. I gotta get this tattooed on me, I'm just kidding, no more tattoos. <laughs> Having Jesus in your heart doesn't make you sinless. But having a right relationship with Jesus will help you to sin less. Period. Period. When I'm focused on Christ, I'm not focused on me. And when I'm not focused on me, sin is not running rampant. It's the truth. It's the truth. When I come and I sit in here for an hour and a half, sometimes I can shut off all the things that are going on in my world. And I don't have to think of selfish thought, the wrong thought. It's all gone. I sit here, and I allow myself to open up, and I allow myself to receive what God wants to give me. When your mind is set on Christ, you will sin less. 
So we're going to go over some key bullet points, and I'm trying to finish by 11 like I wanted to. Mark's a tough act to follow. Bullet point number one. Jesus is God's promised gift of grace. Jesus is God's promised gift of grace. So remember all these people before Jesus came were living under this law that they could not keep. And the law back then, it was like an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, death. These were scary things. I had a friend send me an Instagram message yesterday. It was odd. And uh, it said, if police could still use batons on people, the crime weights would be down. And I thought to myself, you're probably right. If people were afraid that they were going to get beat up by the police by a baton in the streets today, probably we'd cut our crime rate a third down, no doubt. But we don't live that way. But that's the way it was back then. That's the way it was back then. It was the rod, the stick, the stone. So people were afraid. So there was this promised gift that came to them, and we're going to look at Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus made the great claim. You could read through the four Gospels and see that in the book of John it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And if you look at some religions outside of Christianity, you will notice they've changed that. It says, and the word was like a God. That's the change there. The little, you know, that's the one thing you can grab out of somebody else's textbook and go, oh, this is incorrect information. Um, but you know, Jesus, in, in the revelation of Jesus Christ, he made the claims, do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. Those were the words of Jesus. So when it says, his name shall, we shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This was God in the flesh is going to reside among you. That is God in the flesh. Isaiah 9, Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Wow. This is a claim that Jesus is God. This is a claim that Jesus is God. This is the promise. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Well, I, you know, when I think of God in heaven, I think Mighty God. Well, this person that's coming, this promised Savior, this promised child that's going to be born to a virgin and in human flesh, this promise I'm giving you, his name will be called Mighty God. How about this name for him? Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. Sounds like God to me, God in the flesh, amen? Prince of peace. Bullet point number two. Jesus is God's free gift of grace. I love that we talked about grace earlier. Anybody want to go follow me around? I'll find and wave the ice cream man down. He comes in my neighborhood all the time. You ever have grace and mercy on your children? All the time. All the time. This is something I love to describe about how much God loves us and how much Jesus loves you. We all know how much we can love our children. And we all know how much mercy and grace we can show our children. And know this, God can love us better than that. He can love us better than that. But that's my target. 
That's my target for how I want to love my children. But he can love me better than that. That's crazy. Jesus is God's free gift of grace. We talked about grace earlier, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. God is, Jesus is God's free gift of grace. That's what the series is about, radical grace. Jesus is God's free gift of grace. I love you so much, I'm going to give you this gift, because you can't stop sinning. You can't stop breaking my laws, and I love you so much that not only am I going to show you mercy, but I'm going to allow my son to be born into the world, and he's going to die on the cross, and his bloodshed is going to be a once and for all sin, so that I can show mercy and grace to you all the days of your life. Amen. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what he came to do. That's what we're here to talk about today. Why, Chris? Well, because the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. There is a promised life after this. This is a short snippet. A very short snippet. But for us, it seems like eternity, right? D over here just celebrated 90 years of life on this planet. I am so amazed to be a part of that. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I joked with my wife. I said, when I was born, D was around 50 years old. She'd already lived a longer life than I've lived. And I can tell you that my life experiences feel like a really, really long time. There is, Amen. There is an eternity waiting for us after this. It has no end. This is what I show up every week for. Because I found out this great truth. I found out this great truth that every single person I love that has the same relationship with Jesus Christ that I have. It's one that I can't do anything to get. It's unmerited favor. I'm going to believe that. I'm going to have that relationship with him. And we are going to spend eternity with him. A forever 90 years. 90 years over and over and over again, like Groundhog Day. Only you won't be trying to get out of it. <laughs> Last bullet point of the day. Yeah, I had to bring this verse up because it's Christmas time. Jesus is God's eternal gift of grace. That's what we're talking about here. The eternal gift of grace. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God put Abraham to the test to see if he would sacrifice his only promised son. And Abraham was willing to do it. And because of that faith, we're made righteous. That same faith is the faith that we have, that God sent Jesus into this world to die a sinner's death on a cross so that I could have his free unmerited favor, his free unmerited grace and mercy, and the bestowal of his blessings. If you're walking around and you're beating yourself up saying, I don't know why I'm blessed by God, you've got to change that attitude. It's time to say, I, 
am a child of God, and I have the free and unmerited mercy and grace of a God who loves me, and on top of that, he wants to do things for me because he loves me. Because that's what a father does with his child. He blesses them, especially when you have an, an infinite abundance of power to do so. Amen? Now, I'm not up here preaching a profitable, we're going to make a billion dollars and you're going to be rich. That's not what I'm saying. But we are going to cast out the spirit of poverty. And we're going to stop walking around with our head between our shoulders and I'm just going to make it to heaven one day by grace and mercy and nothing else is good in my life. We got to get rid of that. Tell you what, I got rid of that attitude a long time ago and my life got good. Things, amazing things have happened in my life since then. And I'm going to tell you right now, every day I wake up, it's unmerited favor and blessing and grace. Because there's days that I do not deserve salvation. It doesn't matter that I'm up here giving you this Christmas message and I'm telling you how much I love you guys because I do. It doesn't matter. I have days and moments where you would look at me and go, you're a pastor? Yep, I'm just like you. We are all the same. Okay? I just hold myself to a higher accountability now. So it's tough. <laughs> Um, Jesus is God's free gift of grace. The mission of this church, you know what Jesus said when he left? When Jesus left this earth and he said to his disciples, did I mute myself? No. He didn't say, I want you to go and do the Ten Commandments. I want you to attend church every Sunday, no matter what. Even if you're sick, you'd be there on time. He didn't say, I'll tell you what he did say. I'm not going to go any further into that. I'll tell you what he did say. He said, go to all the corners of the earth and tell everyone about me. And that's what we get to celebrate this Sunday. The free gift of salvation. Jesus is the gift of salvation. Jesus is why I get to wake up every day and I get to hold my head up high because I know I am loved by an everlasting God who has promised me eternal life after this life. And when I think that way, I can smile at my day and I can say, bring it, day. Is Jesus living in your heart? In the book of Romans, it says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It doesn't say you had to do any more than that. How about this one? You remember those Ten Commandments that you can't do? Do you remember me telling you that if you have Jesus in your life that you will sin less? How about you take this one? When they asked Jesus what's the greatest commandment of all, he said to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm going to tell you what. When you have Jesus living and residing in your heart, that is an easy thing to do. You will love God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. You will look forward to singing him praises. You will look forward to coming here every single Sunday. You will not want to be late. You will no longer want to watch from online at home. You will want to come here. You will want to fellowship in the presence. And you will love your neighbor. You will do it naturally. 
because you will have Jesus living in your heart. If you ask me, how do I measure the heart of a Christian? I don't want to tell you I do because I'm not here to judge anybody, but those are the things I look at. Those are the, I don't even have to look. I meet you. You express it. Whether you know it or not, those things are coming out of your heart. I know if you're on fire for God and if you love your neighbor or if you don't. I, I don't want to know, but it's just a natural occurring thing. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. That's what I, that's, that's, that's what I do every single day as I look forward to. A, a, something happens on the subconscious, natu- unnatural level for me every day. How can I be a better father? How can I be a better husband? How can I be a better servant of God? How can I be a better person? How can I be a better neighbor? Those are the things that begin to happen every day when Jesus is living in your heart. And you don't have to think about it. It just begins to naturally happen. It shows in the life of every believer. At least the ones that say, I'm all in, God. I'm all in. Not just my foot. Not just my hands. And singing praises. When your heart is all the way in, these things are expressed out of your life every day. And you turn on fire. You sound like every time you talk about Jesus, every time you talk about God, every time you talk about church, every time you talk about the things that God is doing in your life, it comes out of you like fire. Amen? Amen. If there's anybody here who has not made a decision in their life to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, We talked about it today, the free gift of grace, the gift of salvation, life everlasting, freedom from your bondage of self and sin. We can offer you that here today. God is offering you that every day, but today you'll actually get an invitation to make that decision. If you haven't prayed this prayer, you can say it with me. Lord God, I invite you into my heart, Lord. I believe in your word. I believe that you were sent here into this world to die a sinner's death on the cross for my sins, Lord, because I am full of sin, and I do not know how to not sin, Lord. I repent of my sins. I no longer want to live this way. I want to live a life dedicated to you. I want to follow you. I want to to chase after you every day for the rest of my life here on this earth, Lord, because I want what you have promised me, Lord. I want to have a relationship with you, and I want to spend an eternity in heaven with you. Lord, I thank you in advance for you giving me this gift of salvation and this gift of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm five minutes over. It's not too bad. Well, that was my first Christmas message. In the future, thank you. In the future, we'll get the kids up here, so that way, you know, the kids will do a nativity scene, and and I can just orchestrate and clap and wave my hands and preach the next Sunday. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm so blessed because I have that gift of salvation. I'm so blessed by this church. I'm blessed by all of you. I'm encouraged by all of you. I look forward to serving you. I look forward to partnering with you because we're all in this together. This is a this is a family. You know? We had a friend of ours that used to say, I, I, I quote this to the day, Chris, 
marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100 because there can be days, months, or years where one person only puts in 30% and you're going to have to pick up the other 70. And that's what we're going to do as a family here. We're going to be in 100% for each other. I'm going to put in 100% for you and you guys are going to put in 100% to this church as well. Amen? Okay. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you guys at home. I invite you to come on back. Amen.